Good evening, Mosaic. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hey, my name is Kyle, and I'm the worship pastor here, and I want to welcome you in. If you would stand and sing with us tonight as we sing about Emmanuel, God with us.
morning, Mosaic. Good evening. Uh, you guys can take a quick seat. I'm just gonna go over some announcements with you. Um, my name is Ashley Covert. If I have not had the chance to meet you yet, I'm the communications coordinator here. Um, so I have the privilege of telling you about some things that are going on. But first, I would like to say, I haven't been here in three weeks. And I will confess that when I was younger, missing church was sometimes often a treat. But over the past three weeks, it has felt like such a loss. So I'm just so grateful to be here with you tonight and grateful that you chose to spend your Saturday evening with us. I know that there are plenty of things happening uh, on a Saturday, particularly around the holidays. And so we're just grateful that you're here. Um, if this is your first time with us, we've got plenty of ways to connect with you. We've got an info booth out there in the foyer. We also have uh, the number above me on the screen for you to text uh, to get connected. We would love just to know you and know your story. So again, grateful that you're here. Um, another thing that we've got is our prayer team and our prayer ministry. They will be down here at the end of service. Um, I know that the holidays are sometimes really great and really cheerful, sometimes they're really hard. We want to be a church family that prays for each other and prays together. So we would love to invite you to come uh, utilize that resource, basically. We also have, if you look all the way over here to my left, your right, a prayer room. We would love for you to take advantage of that anytime that you need. Um, again, kind of a little bit on, on a somber note. We see all of the prayer requests that get sent into us, whether that be email or through the Fellowship mobile app. And we see every single one that is marked sympathy. And we know that that is so hard over the holidays. So a couple weeks ago, we did, um, through our Counseling and Care Center, a Surviving the Holidays Grief Share. We're gonna be doing another one in January. Um, so representatives of the Counseling and Care team are gonna be out in the foyer at Booth C. Um, in between services, love for you to be able to connect with them as well. Or you can follow the QR code on the screen. That'll take you to our news page where you can register uh, online. Okay, a little bit more up and up note. Um, we have one week until Christmas, which just feels bananas to me. I would have loved it if all of the precipitation we had yesterday was snow, it's rain, we'll take what we can get. But, um, that will mean upcoming, we've, we've got our Christmas Eve services. So uh, on the 24th, we have lots of services happening here in the Rogers campus. You'll see the times up on the screen. We would love to invite you to just reserve your spot. When we say reserve, like there's no cost to that. You don't have to pay anything for your ticket to come to church. That just helps us kind of gauge who's going to be at what service numbers wise. So when we hand out glow sticks, we know how many to give you. Um, in addition to that, the following day, Christmas Day, and then the following Saturday, New Year's Day, happen to land on Saturdays, which means that we are hosting here at Mosaic. We are, however, only gonna do one five o'clock service on both of those weekends. So it'll be a family service, bring the kids in here, there won't be any children's classes, um, and we're excited to celebrate Christmas and the New Year with you guys in here, one service, five o'clock. We'll post about it again on social media, but you know, just wanna give you the heads up. Um, again, I'm really excited to be here with you this evening. I'm gonna pray for us really quick before we jump into the rest of the night. So if you wanna pray with me. Lord, thank you so much for today and bringing us all together safely. Um, thank you for the topic tonight, Lord, uh, love. Thank you for your radical, crazy, unimaginable love uh, in sending your son 
to be the sacrifice for us and what that means for our day-to-day life. Um, God, as we unpack that a little deeper this evening, I pray that it falls fresh on our hearts and in our minds, uh, that we can continue to see you in new ways and love you in new ways. Again, thank you so much for the gift of your son. We love you. Here and pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Ashley. Um, church, uh, Forever Family, would you read uh, this with me as just a prayer of gratitude and thankfulness? Uh, as Ashley was saying, you know, the holidays can bring some ups and some downs, but there's one thing that I know for sure is that there's always a lot to be thankful for uh, as Christians, as uh, people in Christ. And so let's just read this prayer together uh, of gratitude and of offering to our King, Jesus. O Father, giver of all, every good and perfect gift comes from you. We ask you to accept these gifts and use them to your glory. May they bring shelter to the homeless, comfort to the sick, rest to the weary, and hope to the hopeless. As you multiply the offering of fish and loaves, multiply these to accomplish more than we can ask or imagine. We freely and not under compulsion for all we have is yours, Lord. Nothing we can give could match your great gift to us, your son and your spirit, amen. Shall he break? 
will sing. steps down to be with his people. What a beautiful sign and a beautiful gift that you are with us, Father. So help us to believe that. Help us to know that it's true tonight, Father. We love you. We proclaim that as a church. We lift high the name of Jesus tonight. Spirit, would you speak to our hearts? Would you soften our hearts as we hear your word? We pray these things in your name. Amen. You may have a seat. Amen. Well, good evening, family. Hey, Merry Christmas. My name is Colin. I serve with our community team here at Mosaic. If you're new, welcome. We're glad you are here. And I have a confession. 
I have made a huge mistake today. Did anybody else go to Target? What is happening out there? So our, our child, we keep trying to get him on oat milk and almond milk. He's got some issues, and uh, his mom and dad keep forgetting to get milk. So uh, after a very stinky morning in our household, we decided, hey, let's run down to Target, and let's try and we'll finally get him some oat milk or some almond milk. And it was a living nightmare. What was happening in there? Like kids throwing toys at their parents. It's like, I want this! And just screaming. Couples, I mean, literally like tearing each other apart in a line that started from self-checkout all the way back to where they're doing the renovations, which when are those ever gonna be done? Yeah, never. And there was this, this moment, I mean, I looked at my wife and I looked at my kids and I said, I'm not doing this and getting out. So I went and sat in the car. <laughs> And then I started thinking about tonight, and I was like, oh, isn't it so interesting how quickly the reason for the season just gets hijacked? And that we can come in this place, and yeah, we could just do church, but now the significance of what we're stepping into with the saints in this season of, of Advent. Turn to a neighbor and tell them what Advent needs. Go. Arrival. Coming, the arrival of someone particular, of someone special, of someone royal. And so we come in this space tonight to celebrate one, the first coming, the arrival of King Jesus, the King of peace, hope, love, and joy, the Christ on this earth, but also to anticipate his return. And so uh, in this time tonight, we're going to be focusing in on Mark chapter 12. So if you have a Bible, please go ahead. Mark chapter 12, we'll, we'll jump around with John for a little bit, it'll be on the screen, but there's just something to having it in front of you, be it on a device or uh, on a Bible, Mark chapter 12. And uh, to even help my own mind and heart after the rush of Target, can we just take a deep breath together and breathe it out and uh, hear now from the word of the Lord. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. And noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked them, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Jesus said, the most important one is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. And the second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself, for there is no commandment greater than these. A little bit of context here. If you were even go to, to Matthew's gospel, um, you would see it play out more. But in Mark chapter 12, the, there are a few different competing um, ideas and, and, and different groups surrounding Jesus at this moment. So you have Pharisees, you have Sadducees, you have Herodians, and all these different teachers of the way of Moses who would regularly come together and they would debate things like this. Which commandment? How do we practice this commandment? And they'd look back throughout the Torah and they'd, they'd have debate and discussion. The difference here is that they are trying, their intent here is to trap Jesus. See, this Jesus of Nazareth guy, one, he's getting a bigger following than most of these rabbis and they're not a fan. And secondly, he's making some pretty bold claims because he himself is claiming to be the Messiah, the Son of Man. 
God incarnate who has come to bring freedom to our people. And so all these different competing teachers, I mean, Sadducees and Pharisees is about as far as you can get on the polar opposites of one another in Judaism. And they're tag teaming together to try to bring down the Son of Man. That's the context they're stepping into here. So this isn't just a a light conversation that they're trying to trap him. And, And as far as I can recall, there were three times that I cried in high school. One was on the football team after I tore my ACL in practice. The the second was the surgery after that practice. And the third was when I quit football and tried to join the debate team. I'm not, I'm a softie. I'm not good at it, but that's where all my friends were and I couldn't play sports. So I was like, I'll try debate. And do I have any debate team in the room? Like anybody who did that life? Gosh, it's brutal. I don't know how you do it. I mean, I got in there and you see these people and they're just going, it is cutthroat. And I couldn't handle it, so I broke down crying. Look how Jesus handles this this debate. I mean, this way they're trying to trap him, and look how he steps into it. He gives them two things first. They come to him and say, hey, tell me one command, and Jesus, as he masterfully does, he gives them two. And if you're familiar with this text, he's pointing them all the way back in the Torah to two very significant chapters. The first in Deuteronomy. It is the Shema, say Shema. Or if you're in Arkansas, I would like to say Shema. The the Shema is the teaching. It is the the call for Israel to, one, be unified. No other God. It is this God, Yahweh, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, the one who has led you out of slavery to Egypt and has plans for this world. That God. What do you do with that God? Will you give him your full allegiance, heart, mind, soul? Everything you have is out of affection and adoration, a desire for him. And the second one Jesus brings is actually out of Leviticus, where it's the Kedoshim, say Kedoshim, or in our Kansan, Kedoshim. So the Kedoshim is gonna be out of Leviticus where you have this ethic of the people of God. These are the ways it begins where God tells his people, be holy as I am holy. And right in the thick of that, you have this call that they are to love their neighbor as himself. And Jesus takes these two commands and forms them into one and says, love for God and love for neighbor are inseparable. They go hand in hand. And not only that, for Jesus, this isn't just answering what the greatest command is in the Torah. See, the understanding for these teachers of the the law was that this was the meaning of life. Which of these are we to orient everything we do from? And so Jesus is not just making a claim of how to read the Old Testament. Jesus is making a claim that this is the meaning and purpose of human beings, to love God and to love neighbor. And Jesus will even take it further to say to his disciples that if you really wanna test how you're doing and your love for God and your love for neighbor, see how you're loving your enemies. But uh, my, my fear is that we could just say that, sing some more songs and go about back to Target to our holiday business. But I think we really need to take time tonight to answer this question. Any 90s songs coming to your mind? What is life? Baby, don't See, there's some confusion in our culture, I think, about what this word means. And honestly, if we're even just to take a global scale, look at it. See, because in the East, if you've ever traveled over there, there's this understanding where love has a commitment so if you were to look at arranged marriages or you were to look at the role of the family in the Eastern world, love, it communicates commitment to something. 
And over here in the West, we kind of have two different meanings for it. One is that it's a feeling, and two, that it's a desire. Now, I want you to hear that that's actually biblical. That love is an emotion. It's okay to feel, and we have desires. God has given us these desires for things that are good, but what we have done here in the West is that we've merged these, these, these ideas and made it into one word, which can mean many things. So, for example, I love coffee. Mm. The meteor up in Bentonville, amazing stuff. I love it. Also, I love my wife. But I really love my dog, and I love running. And I love being at church. You, you see how we take one word, and it takes on these different meanings, but, but it can kind of get confusing. Because if I love coffee just as much as I love my wife, just as much as I love my God, somewhere we got out of alignment there. And so we've done this in the West where we think of the, that love is this feeling, an attraction towards something, which is okay, or that it's a desire. So I, I love sushi, and I want to consume it, and I want to eat it and devour it. And sadly, what can begin to happen is we use that same term of love for other human beings as something to be consumed, something for, for, to fulfill my desire, and once it's fulfilled, I don't need it anymore. And so whether it's the commitment or the, the, uh, the feeling, what we've done in this world is we've replaced this love of God for something else. And, and when we replace the love of God for a feeling, so the love of a significant spouse or a, a family member or our God, what do we do when we don't feel it anymore? And I don't feel that desire. I don't feel that love for that person where it seems like God is distant. This life is hard. I, I don't feel that love for him. So if we limit our, our love to our affections and desires, we actually really begin to cause some chaos in our lives and in the lives of those around us. And the primary problem is that that, that form of love is primarily centered on self. I have an attraction towards something, so I'll extend love to it. Or I have a desire for something, so I'll extend love to it. And what we'll begin to see is that uh, Jesus has a very different understanding of love. Uh, philosopher and Christian leader uh, J.K. Smith um, says that, that what you love is what you become. Where you place your desires and your affections is the type of person you become. And I think Jesus would agree. See, what one English word of love, the, the Greeks did a really good job of actually separating it. And so they actually, this is just a list of a few, they had more they said, what are some different terms that begin to identify how we love in this world? And so you'd have Plato and Socrates and, and these great philosophers would get together and they, they'd begin to formulate, well, this type of love is like this and does this. And so you start to see first storge, which is family love, the love within a family. Then you'd move down to phileia or phileo, which is the brotherly love, friendships. You'd have eros, romantic sexual love. Pragma, which is dutiful love, a love for the, the coworker or for the thing that was helping you get the job done. It was just there. And then this one, a philatia, which was a self-love. Love your neighbor as yourself. This is actually included in the scriptures that, that to be, begin to, to love ourselves. And, and I think in our culture, this is the one we highlight the most, isn't it? See, but the biblical authors, what they understood was that all of these absolutely are loves that exist in this world. But then they took this term that's used several times throughout the New Testament. 
And Jesus himself uses it, and it's the term agape. Have you heard of this word? That this, this term at the center of all things, what the biblical authors are trying to display is all these different loves absolutely are needed and necessary in this life, but they are not, you will not be capable of living them out without agape. Back in Mark 12, the, the word that Jesus has used for that meaning of life, agape, God, agape, neighbor. And this is what it means. Agape, and, and the best definition I've heard, it is an other-focused, self-giving love. It's focused on others. It doesn't start with the self. It begins with the good of those around me, and it's an offering of self. It's saying that I'm going to lay down my life for the good, the highest good of those around me. And it's with that kind of love that we actually begin to understand this is the Christian life. First, agape love is a choice. Anybody here last week? Oh my gosh, Gary Oliver on choosing joy, yeah? Just like we choose joy, we choose love. It's, it's a choice. It's not rooted in being a feeling or an emotion or a desire. It is a, I'm going to lay down my desire for the highest good of this person. It's a choice. It's something we choose. Next, uh, agape, is, it's a deliberate striving for the highest good of those around us. That we, we, that's why Jesus can say, speak truth and love, that there's a higher good, not just getting what you want. That actually causes some damage. But that we take, it's a, it's a choice to, I'm going to, inter, I'm going to interact with this person who maybe I disagree with so that we can seek what God has in store in this world. So lastly, it's demonstrated through action. It's not limited to a feeling, a thought, an emotion. It's put on display by what we do. The author John would say that we do not want to just love with words and speech, but with actions and truth. My little three-year-old, um, I, I try to do three things every day with these boys, and one is that I try to tell them I'm proud of them, two, I try to tell them Jesus loves them, and three, I try to tell them that I love them. And my three-year-old called me out on it, or my four-year-old now called me out on it a few weeks ago, and he says, Dad, I don't like when you say I love you. And I thought, what? I say it all the time. Why don't you like that? And he goes, no, I, I like that you say that you love me, but sometimes I just don't see it. My four-year-old articulated agape love. It's not just empty words. It's not a, a hashtag that says choose love without any of the behavior change. It's an action. It's something we do. And by the way, this is actually the way that God loves us. Agape love is the love of God that he has for his creation, for his people. And as we look, um, we'll see that this love of God, first it begins with him as the source. Look with me in 1 John. John says, dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from who? God. And so we know and rely on the love that God has for us because God is love. Now, there's a lot of great theological debate we could have in this room tonight. Maybe we should get a cup of coffee and do that. Or you can just call Dr. Roland because he's got a lot of good thoughts. But what you need to leave understanding tonight is that this is not just an attribute of God. His justice, his wrath, his omnipotence, his omniscience, all these things that God is like. This is actually at the center of how God operates and functions. It's part of his essence. So at the center of all things, there is a triune community of love, Father, Son, and Spirit, existing in perfect harmony with one another. 
And if you think like, nah, this is just touchy-feely, this goes all the way back in the Old Testament, that this is a God who has loving kindness. It is his, uh, the way that he interacts in this place. He's slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. It's consistent all throughout the biblical story that this is who God is. In 1 Corinthians 13, you've probably heard it at a wedding, yeah? Love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy. Um, I want you to begin to see that as Paul meant it, which is that this is God. God is patient, God is kind, God does not envy, he does not boast. That we have to understand that at the source of agape love is God himself. So it's not manifesting or mustering up, I guess I better go out and love people. No, this is actually rooted in who God is and how he operates in this world. Whoever lives in love, whoever lives, uh, lives in love lives in God and God in them. 17, and this is how we uh, know love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment that in this world we are like Jesus. Paraphrase that in this world we are invited to know and experience to walk a day by day relationship with the God who is love. And that we would be conformed to look and live our lives out of his love. So with God as the source, we then come to the struggle. So maybe you're thinking, Colin, this is great. What does this have to do with Advent? John 3.16. I'm convinced almost every single person in this room could quote John 3.16 without, like, it just comes like that, right? Like this is the NFL poster board verse of the century. I wish more of us would dive into 18 and 19. For this is how God agape, loved the world, self-giving, other-focused, sacrificial love that's an action. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That is a present reality that we can live this life with God now, not just in the future as we wait for, for heaven. No, God wants to bring heaven to earth. It's why we have a king and his kingdom at work in this world, that it's something we embrace now. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save. The term there is sozo, say sozo. He wants to restore and heal, to bring perfect harmony in all things. Through him. 18, for there's no judgment against anyone who believes in him. But anyone who does not believe in him already has been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. 19, and the judgment is based on this fact. God's light, Emmanuel, the rising son of heaven, came into this world, but the people, agapo, they loved darkness more than the light for their actions were evil. So God and his love, the source of love, God who is love, steps into this world in and through Jesus. Yet we see that rather than reciprocate that love, the, the agape, we take the love of God and we put it towards darkness, evil. And John, I think, is just rooting us back to Genesis 3 here. This is nothing new for the human experience. And I think if we're honest tonight, if we really began to look in, um, this might be true of us today because there's addictions. Um, maybe there's uh, um, some things you're walking through in, in the closet of your soul that, that are really scary or hard to bring out. 
And maybe it just feels a little easier to leave that place, leave that in a place of darkness. God's invitation is now bring that into the light. And his unconditional love will meet you there. Um, fourth century um, saint, his name was Augustine out of North Africa. He said that the, the primary problem with love in this world is not necessarily that we, we love different things, it's the order of our loves. And so we have, we have this disordered love where our love for God is, is getting replaced with other loves and it causes darkness and evil. And I would just invite you, what are the things that, that are taking precedence in your life above God? Because as John tells us, in that, there, there will be evil in this room. So we have the source of agape love is God. The struggle of, we have this desire to love him, but also to love darkness. So what's the solution? Back to John, uh, 1 John 4. For this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we loved, but that he loved us and sent his son as the atoning sacrifice for our sins. First step of a solution here. That Jesus takes the sacrifice, the pain. That I don't wanna just focus on the baby in the manger tonight. I don't wanna focus on that baby who grew up and jumped on a cross, a different piece of wood for the sins of mankind so that we could know and receive and extend the love of God in this world. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another for no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. And this is how we know that we live in him and he in us, that he has given us his spirit. Um, friend, the, the second solution here is not only the atoning sacrifice of Christ, but is the fact that God dwells within those who receive that sacrificial love. The fruit of the spirit is, is what, Paul refers to it to the church of Galatia, that this is something God actually produces in you. So agape love is not something I can manifest. It's something that God's presence in and through me manifests in the world. So that we could actually become people who can sacrificially, with the focus of others in mind, begin to love God and our neighbors. And uh, I just, could you imagine what that would do in this room if we began to, to love God and one another in this way. Like if there was a community of saints in Northwest Arkansas who actually took Jesus's invitation to be receiving his love and extending it to others seriously. One of my favorite authors, his name's Mark Sayers. He lives out in Melbourne, Australia, one of the most progressive cities in Australia. And he has a very interesting read into the States in the past 24 months because he hasn't been in the thick of it with us, but he's definitely had a view from the outside in. And one of the things Mark said is that there's this narrative, there's this cultural story at play that is linear. And so you see the left and the right, and they will not get along. Your Pharisees and your Sadducees, if you will. And they're not talking to one another, they're just taking each other out. And what Mark said is that, that the actual, when you begin to look and listen to some of these people, what you'll begin to see is that this struggle is actually not linear, it's circular because it ends on the self that the goal and role of, of both of these sides is actually my way, my agenda, what I think is right, and anyone who disagrees with me is wrong. And what Mark says is if we could take the great commandment seriously in the States, we begin to join Jesus in the restoring and in his kingdom work in that sphere. 
And so um, what I'd love to do tonight is just to, to close with some time to put it to practice. The agape love of God. And uh, I love charts. And so, uh, Megan, let's go ahead and go to that chart if you would. Um, first off, uh, I hope you'll see this kind of as Gary said last week, that we can choose joy. This is a day-by-day option, a choice. So it is with the agape love of God. Um, I love this term. John uses it all throughout the scriptures. You know what Jesus actually called the apostle John? Beloved, the beloved disciple. I love it. One, because as a noun, it's beautiful. It means dear to the heart, that you are dear to the heart of God. But as a verb, it's, it's an action. It's be loved. Be a person who is receiving and extending love. And so a day in the life of, of the beloved of Jesus should look a little something like this that we would take time regularly to receive and rest in God's love for us. That's why prayer and reading the scriptures and abiding and coming to worship with the saints, all of these are opportunities on the day by day to receive and rest in God's love. And then from that place to continue as Jesus did, to identify and listen to our neighbors. Not fix, not conform to our image, not to try and prove but to identify, that is my neighbor. Um, I love the term because we think of neighbors in our world as the person who lives next to us. In Jesus' day and age, it is the person that is literally physically next to you. That is who your neighbor is. So who do I identify and listen to? It's whoever God has placed around you. The barista, the coworker, the, the person on the street on the way to church off the highway on a Saturday night. Let's take even further. How about on the social media platforms? Yikes. But if we would receive God's love for us and then begin to identify, okay, I see this human being and listen. Around here, we like to say, tell me your story. If you've ever gone to a small group or hung out with any of our community leaders, you've probably heard that question. Because we wanna hear, one, where the enemy and sin has been at work in your life and how God's stepping into it. So if we would receive and rest in God's love, identify our neighbors and listen to their needs and then simply extend God's love to them only to come back to receive and rest in it and that this would become a moment by moment, day by day cycle till Jesus returns for us. And I think if this Advent season, we would join the King of love in receiving it and extending it to the world, it could have some radical implications, not only on our lives, not only on our city, but on our world. So here's what we're gonna do now. I wanna invite you to receive and rest in God's love for you tonight. So if you need to stand as we sing these songs, you are welcome to stand. If you need to sit and just receive it, you're welcome to sit and receive it. But the light has come into the world and and there's this temptation, this struggle to love the darkness. And I'm gonna ask you tonight, would you not give in to that? you confess whatever darkness you need to to him and just posture yourself ready to receive and rest in God's love for the rest of our time. Can I pray? We try in community of love. Father, thanks that you see us as sons and daughters. Jesus, you not only call us Disciples, you call us friends. Spirit, we can't muster this up without you. So we just ask in this time, would you do your work and produce the fruit that you alone can? 
we're ready to receive and rest tonight. In your name we pray and sing. Bye.
just remain standing as we read this Advent prayer this evening? Who is this king who inclined his ear to a broken world's groans and in reckless abandon came after his own? Who is this king with grace in his eyes whose love for us led him to lay down his life? Would you say this with me? Jesus, king of love. King Jesus, you've introduced us to the heart of the Father and with one glimpse into your love, we know we're made for no other. Oh, lover of our souls, you pull us in close to be held, to know you are good, to see that true love is not a feeling or show. It's a place for us to be. It's a person for us to meet. Would you say this with me? And you're unlike anything. There's tenderness in your heart, a loving fire in your eyes. You melt the heart of stone and you call dead things back to life. Jesus Christ, you are better than life. Oh, to be loved as the apple of your eye. Our love for you is imperfect and broken. And we're easily tempted to indulge in the world that we live in. But you still gave up your life to win us as your bride. You knew what you were getting into and you did not change your mind. So on the days when we doubt if your love really is enough, to reach us in a hole that we dug for ourselves. Let our eyes catch your gaze, the look of love on your face, and we'll melt again in your grace as you tenderly say, would you hear these words? Dear child, it's never been about living up to something that's good enough. You see, there's nothing you can do to earn a prouder love. So by the power of the Holy Spirit, we draw near in this moment to be perfectly perfected by, perfectly loved by you. And here in your love, Christ, we are radically transformed and we are radically renewed. Christ Jesus, we eagerly await the day when we will meet you face to face, when all, in all clarity in our eyes will at last behold our lover for the one whom we were made. Until that day, send us out in all joy and childlikeness, sure of your love and full of your spirit to a world desperate in desperate search of something real. Would you say this with me? Jesus, King of love, thank you for coming. You're changing everything. Jesus. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to Him belong, they are weak, but He is strong. If you believe this, will you sing this with us tonight? Jesus loves me.
Would you grab the elements, bread and cup? Hmm. And as we tonight celebrate the first advent of our friend and King Jesus, and what he did and is continuing to do in this world and in our lives, as well as as we anticipate the return, the second advent, until we see him again face to face. With gratitude tonight, we remember his work on the cross. Would you take now and eat? And the love of God on display for sinners like you and me. Take now and drink. And uh, we've asked our, our good friends as well as uh, global workers, the Macmahons, to come and lead us through the lighting of the candle of love. Hello, Mosaic. Um, we're the McMahans. That feels weird to introduce ourselves because we know so many of you guys and love you. Um, we live in Mali, Africa, and part of the Mali Hoops team. And so um, I think you'll see a picture right here that we're gonna let Melissa tell a little quick story about how God loved us and um, kind of bring a little different imagery to it all. Yeah, this image behind us is a stable out at the refugee camp that we work out at every week, um, setting the Bible with a group of Malian shepherds. And they have many of these stables littered throughout the camp, and it's a filthy camp. The smells are an assault on all of your senses, the smells, the sounds, the feeling of walking through the mud and trudging through there. And I just can't help but wonder if this is more of what it probably looks like where our Savior was born every single time we go there. Um, a really cool story. The shepherds in our culture are considered really low-class 
um, and thus they live in conditions like this. And we recently started studying the Bible with them, and before we ever started, one of them said, I've heard about Jesus, and I've heard he's the God of the rich people. And I couldn't wait to study the story in Luke when Jesus came down and was born into our world. And I was able to look at them and say, no, he was born in a place like this to a people like you, the shepherds, is who he came for. And fast forward about a year later, after studying the entire gospel of Luke, this entire clan of Fulani, Malian Muslims, is now following Jesus. Um, they have accepted it. Yes, it's amazing. Four of the men were baptized just last month into the body of believers, and the same person a year ago that said that Jesus came for the rich people is what he heard after studying the death and resurrection said, I see clearly now that Jesus suffered, and so we too must suffer until he comes back for us again. And so as we light the candle today of love, I just am so overwhelmed with what love our Savior has, that he was born into literally our filth, into our filth to save us um, into eternity with him. And that's for all people all over the world. So praise God.
Church, as we prepare our hearts to go tonight, I'd love to read this benediction from Ephesians chapter three. And it says, may Christ dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to, to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Church, would you go in peace? We'll see you on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. If you need prayer, we have prayer in the prayer room. See you, fellowship.